Last night, I got ready to go to bed and jumped in bed, and the Lord said, uh, I want to give you some information. And so the Lord gave me an outline to the message that I'm going to preach tonight. And so the message that I'm preaching tonight is for somebody or somebody's in this room, because the Lord quickened me and told me to preach it tonight. So I'm using for a subject tonight, miracle at the bottom, miracle at the bottom. Let's stand for the reading of God's word will be in 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, the first seven verses of this chapter. This is the double books in the Old Testament, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. We are in 2 Kings chapter 6, seven verses. And in these seven verses are seven golden nuggets. We'll share those golden nuggets just in passing, and then we're going to get into the preaching about a miracle at the bottom. Verse 1, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. The golden nugget there is spiritual claustrophobia. It was too tight, too straight for them. And how many know every Christian needs to have a good dose of spiritual claustrophobia? You shouldn't be satisfied with the little room you're in, with the little place you're at. Second verse, let us go, we pray, under Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, that is a tree, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. Second golden nugget, go for the big trees. Verse 3, and one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. He's speaking to Elisha here. He answered and said, I will go. Third nugget, take God with you. Verse 4, so he went with them, and when they had come to Jordan, they cut down wood. Fourth nugget. You're in the wood-cutting business. It begins. Verse 5, But as one was felling a beam or cutting down a tree, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried, saying, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. Fifth nugget, there was an accident. But accidents can be corrected and healed. Six, And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim, six nugget, a miracle in its place. Number seven, therefore said he, take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. And here the prophet holds the miracle in his hand. And I want you to know God wants you to be able to hold your miracle in your hand. I want to use for a subject miracle at the bottom. You may be seated. I know that everyone in this room 
If you are a Christian, and I'm convinced that most of you are, there's a deep desire for you to do more for God. The story is very clear that the sons of the prophets got discontented. In fact, the Bible says that they said to Elisha the prophet, we want to go down to Jordan. We want to cross Jordan. We want to build us a place for the place that we are at is too straight or too small for us. And so what you see is spiritual claustrophobia. Now, claustrophobia is a bad thing most of the time. But when it comes to God's children, contentment's a bad thing. Contentment's wrong. But spiritual claustrophobia is something that we all need. We need to panic when we don't pray enough. We need to panic when we don't serve God enough. We need to be in panic mode when we're not seeing God do big things in our life. We should not be satisfied with the little thimble full of the blessings that we have enjoyed the past days. We must be very hungry for more of God. The sons of the prophets were there in their place, and it was probably a school of some sort. And they said to Elisha, let us go over Jordan. Let us go to Jordan and let us cut down some trees and let us build us a big place for us. Because the place we're at is too straight. And the word straight there means too small. These sons of the prophets had spiritual claustrophobia. They were at a place where they were dissatisfied. They were bound and held low. They felt like that they could go no really further than where they were. And so they said to the prophet, we want to go and build us a bigger place. Every Christian in this room ought to be looking at an expansion of God's blessing in your life. And you ought to have claustrophobia when it comes to not receiving or not doing the things that God has called you to do. I'm, I'm not claustrophobic at all. Nothing much bothers me. But I've met people that are claustrophobic. One time I went under the house. The water pipe was froze. This was way back years ago in Crane, and it was a real narrow area. And usually Judy did all the scuttling around, but for some reason I went up under the house to check some pipes out. And, and I was growing pretty good. Physically, growing pretty good. I was getting a little bigger than I ought to be, and I managed to wiggle and squiggle up into the lower end of the house to reach the pipe, and all of a sudden, it dawned on me, I can't get out. I panicked, and I traveled about 120 miles an hour crawfishing backwards. That's the only time I remember really being claustrophobic. But God's people need to understand the realness and the importance of wanting to go further with the Lord, to excel in the things of God. We should not live just in a survival mode. 
We should live in a going forth, a productive, a miracle mode. Our God's God. He's alive. He's an incredible God. And we don't want to be paralyzed by things in our life that would torment us, paralyzed by the things in our life that would bring harm to us. We need to go out and stretch ourselves, make our tents wider, broader, have spiritual claustrophobia, reach out to God. And so they said to Elisha, the place we have is not working for me. And there may be someone in this room right now, the place you're at is just not working for you. Just not working for you. And if it's not working for you, then you need to understand that there is certain things you and I can do to go further in the Lord. I'm amazed how God has called, uh, has made this church to excel in growth. I'm amazed how much God has blessed our church in many areas. And it's due to the fact that we have people in this church that you want God to do more, you want him to be bigger, you want him to do great things in the midst of not only your church but in your life. And people like that make a great church. And we've got people like that in our church. Now, not only did they have spiritual claustrophobia and wanted to go, they wanted to go for the big trees. Because it says in verse 2, let us, I pray they go to Jordan. See, over Jordan was where the big trees were. They wanted to go where the big trees were. They didn't want to go cut brush. They didn't want to brush hut. They wanted the logs. They wanted to build a huge structure. And they wanted to go to the big trees. And the big trees were down at Jordan, down by the river. And those big trees were massive. And so they said to Elisha, we want to go for the big trees. Listen, don't go for the saplings. Don't go for the little things. Go for big things. If, if, if God be your Savior, if Jesus be your Lord, make your plans big. Excel and believe God for big things. And so they went across Jordan. And as Elisha says to them, you can go. They stopped in their tracks in verse 3, and they said, we don't want to go unless you go with us. Verse 3, and they said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. Take God with you. See, God gives us the idea, and God gives us the hunger to do more, and God gives us permission to excel and to grow in the things of the Lord, but he also wants us to ask him, to seek his face, to call upon his name. And so they asked Elisha, we want you to go with us. Take God with you in your life. Amen. In the storm you face, take God with you. In the sickness you endure, take God with you. The cancer that tries to eat at your life and take out your life, take God with you. Whatever you face in your life, the storms, the trials, the persecutions, take God with you. And then in verse 4, we see the woodcutting begins. 
They start cutting down the trees. They're starting to stretch themselves to do something big for God. But always when you start to do something for God, there's always complications arise. And we see the next thing that happens, there's an accident. There's an accident in verse 5. While one was cutting a tree, the axe head came off the handle, fell into the river. Amen? Thank you, Brandon, for playing tonight. This is your timber sermon. I was preaching the other day, and he said, he thought, he said I thought about shouting, timber! He had heard me preach down in Galena. Well, you got my perfect permission. If you see something starting to fall tonight, shout timber. But they started cutting the wood. And when you start working for God, there's going to be accidents. There's going to be opposition. When you start doing things for the Lord, there's going to be things that begin to happen. And that's why it's important that we tighten the wedge on our uh, axe handle. That's why it's important to make sure the axe head is tight on the end of your handle. That's why it's important to tap down the wedge, do the maintenance. That's why it's important to pray every day and do the maintenance as you read the Word, as you trust God and serve God. But always, always there's going to be along the life's way an accident or a sickness that begins to trouble our way. An accident or sickness begins to trouble our way. And verse 5, there was an accident. Verse 6, the miracle came to the right place. You know, when sickness hits, you need a miracle in the right place. When the accident strikes, lightning strikes, problem comes, you need the miracle in the right place. And so the young prophet said to Elisha, you know, when he was cutting, the, the young prophet was cutting the tree, the axe head fell off his handle, fell into the Jordan River and sunk to the bottom. And he cried, Lord, Master, the accident took place. The axe head come off his handle. It was a horrifying accident. The axe head was bald. It went kaplunk into the Jordan River, the dirty Jordan River. And the prophet said to Elisha, it was borrowed. It's gone. An accident has happened. And I don't know how I'll ever repay. I don't know how I'll ever recover. And Elisha said, just take me to the place. Show me the place where the axe head went kaplunk. And so he showed him the place where the axe head went down. And the Bible says that Elisha cut a stick, and he put that stick. He thrust it in the water. Verse 6, And the man of God where fell it, and he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, take it up unto thee. And he put out his hand and took it. In other words, the miracle was in his hand. I want you to know that God wants your hands full of something other than trouble and sorrow. He wants your hands full of Jesus Christ. God wants your hands full of something other than grief and sorrow and, and defeat. He wants your hands full of the power of God. He wants you to excel to the top when things get rough. 
I never will forget the story I heard about Idaho farmers, and they're known for growing the big potatoes. When I go to Wendy's or somewhere and I want to bake potatoes, I say, I want one of them dirt berries. They look at me and say, what's a dirt berry? I say, what comes out of the ground? You got to serve here. And of course, it's a tater. And the story about the, even in Nevada, there's a lot of potato raisers up in the northern part of the Sierra Mountains. Idaho is known for, you've, you've heard the word Idaho spuds or Idaho potato. And so they're known for big ones. And so there was a team of farmers and they would travel to market. When they'd dig the potatoes, they'd travel to market. And, and there's this one guy that every time he got to market, he would get top dollar for his wagon load of taters. He'd always get the best price. He'd get the highest amount of money. And the other farmers wondered, how is this guy doing that? And what's really funny is they went to him and said, how do you get all these big taters, this big price? And he said, well, you know, when you guys take your potatoes in wagons or trucks to the market, you drive the interstate highway and you go straight to the market. But he said, when I go to the market, I take the outer roads and I take the country roads where the ground is rough and rugged and the wagon shakes and the truck shakes. And he said, every time that truck shakes and those old, that old wagon shakes, them little taters sink to the bottom. And when I arrive, all I got is big taters on top. And all the little taters have gone to the bottom. I want you to know God wants us to learn how to be a big tater. When the roads are rough, when the trials are hard, when it's shaky and you're hitting the bumps of life and your troubles of life, let the big taters rise to the top. Let the little taters go to the bottom. The little taters will take care of themselves, but big taters need to rise to the top. And let me ask you a question. Are you a big tater or a little tater? Well, the rough roads are meant to bring you to the top. And what was happening with this young man when he lost the axe head and it sunk into the river, God was going to bring his miracle to the top. Isn't that beautiful? Amen? I love it. Hallelujah. I love preaching to a church full of spuds, church full of taters. Amen. And the prophet took a stick when the Elisha, when the son of the Prophets told Elisha, this is where the axe head fell into the waters, went kaplunked and down to the bottom. The prophet took a stick and he thrust it into the place. He threw it into the waters where the axe head fell. And the axe head swam. The axe head came from the bottom of the muddy Jordan River and comes swimming to the top. And Elisha says to the young prophet, just reach out there and get your miracle by the hand. Amen. Isn't that good? And the, and the son of the prophet just reached out there and grabbed his miracle by the hand. 
And in his hand was a miracle. Now I'll give you the outline God gave me as I was getting ready for bed. I'll just give you a little introduction. This is a beautiful story. It is incredible. For an axe head to swim was an amazing miracle in that day. Today you have big ships that are made of steel. But in that day for an axe head to come to the top like a cork or just come up swimming. The Bible uses the phrase swimming. There are Bible translations that says it floated to the top. Well, if I know my God, he likes to show out. (laughs) That thing was a flopping when it came to the top. It was swimming. Amen. I mean, if you've got a Bible that says that it was just floated, then, you know, any old dead tadpole can float downstream, but it takes a live fish to swim upstream, up the current. And so the beauty of it is, is that when the axe head came to the top, Elisha told the young man, reach out and take it by the hand. Take your miracle by the hand. A beautiful story of a miracle. And I want to say to each of you in this room, there is a miracle that you can hold to. God can give you a miracle that you can take by the hand. But there's things that must be done first. One of those things that must be done first is we must acknowledge the fact where we need that miracle most. There's a miracle at the bottom of your accident or sickness. This is the first point that the Lord gave me while I was getting ready for bed last night. Your miracle is at the point, at the place of your accident or sickness. You didn't need the miracle before the accident. You didn't need the miracle before the sickness. But when you have an accident or a sickness, you need the miracle there. And the miracle is at the bottom of your accident and your sickness. It's amazing when you stop and think about that. Miracles require bad times. Miracles require impossible situations. Miracles require a God of miracles. Miracles require a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on now, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Some of you big taters need to come to the top. And you say, well, it's so hard to see. This is the second point that the Lord gave me. There is a miracle at the bottom of a non-see-through river. Jordan was a non-see-through river. It was muddy. It was dingy. And the, the son of the prophet couldn't see the axe head. It was deep. It was in the mud. It was obstructed. He couldn't see. Now, he knew the place because he see the splash. He knew the place because he knew exactly where it slung off and hit the water. But he didn't see where it went once it went emerged under the water. And it fell into the muddy Jordan, a non-see-through river. And I want you to know God wants you to trust him even when you can't see the bottom of your situation. God wants, to, wants you to trust him even when you cannot see the bottom 
of your despair, the bottom of your grief, the bottom of your situation. God wants you to trust him. Because the river that you decided to cut the timber by, the big trees, is the same river in the work that you do for God, the accident and the opposition will come. And so we look at the we look at the axe head and look at the river, at the bottom, a non-sea through river. And the third thing the Lord spoke to me is there is a miracle at the bottom of the stick. There's a miracle at the bottom of the stick. So what do you mean by the bottom of the stick? Well, the Bible says that Elisha cut down a stick, probably a small beam. And when he cut down that stick, I don't know what's going here, but it's, it doesn't matter. I'm going to preach what it rumbles and resurrects. That's taters coming to the top. Amen. That's just taters coming to the top. And, and so Elisha cuts a small stick or a, a, a stick and he thrusts it into the water. He throws it into the water where the, where the prophet couldn't see his axe head. It was a non-see-through river. He couldn't see it, but that that he couldn't see his way through, but Elisha took the stick, put it in the water, thrust it in the water, and when he did, the axe head responded to what the stick was doing. The stick rose to the top, and the axe head says, I think I'll follow suit. And so Jesus Christ was crucified on a stick, the cross of Calvary. And so... We look at Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the world. He died for our miracle. And when Elisha took the stick and thrust it in, the miracle begins, number four, with a hole punched in the bottom. Woo! The miracle begins with the hole punched in the bottom. Now, a lot of Bible scholars will tell you, well, he just throwed it out there in the river. I think he did some jabbing. It doesn't say that. It says he cast it into the river. But, I mean, oh, doing some jabbing's okay, right? It makes the taters come to the top. And so I want you to know Jesus Christ went to the cross, and there is a miracle at the bottom of the stick. Because what's at the bottom of the stick is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who went to the bottom who was crucified on the cross of Calvary. He took the stick of crucifixion. He beat the devil with it. I mean, I mean, he literally beat the stuffings out of the devil with a stick. My God carries a big stick, and he doesn't need a big stick, but he had a big stick. He put his son, Jesus Christ, on that big stick, and Jesus Christ shed his blood for the sins of the world and punched a hole in the troubled waters of his life and punched a hole in the ground so deep that when Jesus Christ was buried in the tomb, he rose again from the grave. Just like the ax head come up, Jesus Christ come up out of the grave. That's the miracle. That's the miracle at the bottom. I'm grateful for the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross and shed his blood for my sins and he punched a hole in the graveyard that can never be plugged up by the devil. He punched a hole in death's grave so that you and I can live 
eternally in the resurrection and in the life of Jesus Christ. I love this little outline the Lord gave me. I love it for the fact that Jesus Christ is the God of miracles. I read them to you again. As the Lord gave them to me last night, there's a miracle at the bottom of your accident or your sickness. Number two, there's a miracle at the bottom of a non-see-through river. You can't see through. You can't find your way through it, but there's a miracle. There's a miracle at the bottom of the stick. What is at the bottom of the stick? Resurrection power. What was Jesus? He was at the bottom of the stick. What was at the bottom of the stick? What was at the bottom of the cross of Calvary? The feet of Jesus Christ. And as we bow at the feet of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ took that stick. Miracles begin with a hole punched in the bottom. I want you to know that Jesus Christ has made way for you and I. And if we can just see through this and understand that we don't have to see the end result. We've seen the Savior that is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We don't have to know what's tomorrow. Our past we know, erase it. Our past we know, forget it. Our past, bury it. Our today may be ugly, stained, and dark and dingy, but our tomorrow's whiter than snow. We don't know. We know what our past was like, and we know what our today's like, but we don't know what's on tomorrow, but we know the God who holds tomorrow in his hands. And so I want everybody to know that if you're at the bottom, there's a miracle there. There's a miracle at the bottom of your sickness, your accident, your hurt, your defeats, your pain, your sorrow. There's a miracle at the bottom. I, uh, I'm grateful for all that the Lord has done for me in my life. And I'm grateful for the fact that there was times when I was at the bottom, but I was never alone. I was never alone. I could always run to the God of Elisha, the God of Elijah. I always run to him, and I could get answers in my life. So I want to say to you, if the road is heavy, if the road is rocky, the storm is stormy. I want to say to you, if you can't see the bottom, you don't have to because Jesus Christ went to the very bottom. Jesus Christ went to the very bottom. And you know what he did when he went to the very bottom? He punched a hole in the bottom. Not that you and I could fall through further downward, but that you and I could come up out. Because Jesus punched a hole in the graveyard. He punched a hole in your sorrow. He punched a hole in your problem. There is a way of escape, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah for miracles. Hallelujah for miracles. 
It's so good to know the Lord. So, so good. And, and there may be someone in this room saying, well, I, I've had an accident. I've had problems in my life, and I can't see my way through. Let me tell you, friends, you can go to God, and you can talk about them hurts you've had in the past. You can go to God, and you can talk about that pain, and then you can also talk to God about your future plans. I mean, oh, some of us need to have some future plans. We need to have some big plans, future plans, Amen. I've got some loved ones that went on. They're, they're, they sleep in the graveyard. They're, their bodies are asleep. They've died. They've went on to heaven. I've got some plans with them. I've got some plans to get with them in heaven. I've got some plans. You say, what do you do about it? I tell God all about it. I tell God about my plans. I tell God about my, 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 my future with them. I tell God about what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. And God says, okay, 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 say, okay, let me write that down on your bucket list. I got one in heaven. Amen? I tell God how good it's been. You know, one of us, and I'm a pastor, so I deal with everybody in the room right now, but... A lot of times people struggle with grief. Grief's a bad thing. But grief is a product of your deep love. And we need to understand that when you deal with grief, you, you remember how much you love them. You remember good times you've shared with them. You remember sweet, precious moments you've had with them. And you spend your time missing them, loving them, and thinking of them. But let me say, get, let me take you a little higher. Let me take you a, a step further. Let's take another step up on the ladder. Why don't we take them to the throne of God? Why don't we go to God and tell God how much we miss them, how much we love them, why don't we go to God and tell them how good they were with you and how you loved them and the good times you had with them? You know what's happening when you do that? You're keeping their memory alive, and you're also taking their name to the throne room of God. Isn't that good? And then you can tell the Lord, hey, you better make sure, better make sure that loved one of mine shows me at the, sees me at the first cloud because I'm going to hold it against him. If he doesn't meet me at the first cloud when we're caught up in the cloud to meet him in the air when Jesus comes, you better make sure he's on the front row or we're going to have a talk for about 10,000 years about him not showing up. Talk to the Lord about those things. Spend some time talking to God. He's real. We want to talk about our grief, and it's okay to do that, but let me tell you, there's no higher place to find healing and therapy in your soul than at the feet of Jesus Christ, and tell him of your plans. Tell him of your good things. Tell him of the grace of God. Tell him you care about him, and take them loved ones to the throne room, to the throne room, and keep their memory alive, not only here, but there. Greatest therapy I can ever have is to spend time loving my friends, my neighbors here now, and the ones that's gone on, to love them and cherish them in the presence of God. Back to the other, as we give an invitation, back to the other thought. You can't see your way out. You had an accident. You say, well, it was more intentional mess up. You've had a problem that you've struggled with. Your past is ugly. Listen. Walk past that. 
Look down into the river that you can't see the bottom and say, it doesn't matter. God sees the bottom. And I can't see my way through, but God will bring me through. And one day I'll hold my miracle in my hand. That's what the young prophet did because the stick was cast into the river. The axe head swam back to him. And the young prophet reached out and held his miracle in his hand. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to hold your miracle in your mind, in your heart, and in your hand. He's a God of great miracles. Now, if you're traveling some rough roads, if you're going through some hard times, that's just the little taters going to the bottom. You can be a big tater. Amen? And enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Decide your purpose in the Lord. Someone said, I've seen on Facebook, someone made a statement on Facebook, well, you decide whether or not you're going to church Sunday on Saturday. Not me. I decided in 1978 I was going to church on Sunday. I don't decide on Saturday. I decided in 1978 that I'd be in church every Sunday. Ain't something you decide Saturday. Something you decide when you're born again. And going all the way with Jesus. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to give an invitation. What a joy. What a wonderful blessing. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but I can tell you that. And I don't know what you're going to go through in the next few days. Or what you may go through in the next month or two. I want you to know you're never going to go through it alone. Your God loves you. And your God will not forsake you. And he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He will take care of you. He will guide you. He will save you. He will give you a miracle. And all along that rugged road, he'll make you a big potato. And he'll bless your life. And he'll encourage you. We give an invitation as Josh plays and sings. If you need prayer tonight, you need God to touch your life tonight, we want to invite you to come. Josh plays and sings.